0: Hello again everyone, and welcome back to the InDesigner, the video cast that provides information, instruction, and insight for designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host Michael Murphy, graphic designer and Adobe certified expert in InDesign CS3, and this is the long-delayed episode 49, Paragraph Rules Rule. We're all probably familiar with the two types of paragraph rules, a rule above and a rule below. They go back as far as Express, PageMaker, and probably earlier even than that. But in InDesign, a rule above can easily appear below your text, and a rule below can just as easily appear above it. This ability to bend the rules, so to speak, can create some interesting and flexible type effects that don't require creating any additional frames, grouping anything, or relying on anchored objects. To start off, let's make sure we know exactly what paragraph rules are and a few things about how they work that are going to come into play later in the episode. Paragraph rules are added to a paragraph from several places either from the panel menu of the paragraph panel, or from the paragraph styles dialog box when you're creating or modifying a paragraph style, or simply by using the keyboard shortcut Command Option J or Control Alt J on Windows. To call up the Paragraph Rules dialog box. All three methods offer the same options for either a Rule Above or a Rule Below. Let's take a look at the Rule Above settings first. I'll check Rule On and change this default setting of a one-point stroke that uses the same color as the text to 100% cyan so it stands out better. Notice this rule isn't above my paragraph at all. It's sitting at the baseline of the first line. Now I'll switch to rule below, turn that on, and change it to 100% cyan as well. This rule also sits at the baseline, but on the last line of the paragraph. That makes sense because it's a rule below, but there's a key difference between these two rule types other than where they appear. If I go back to the rule above and increase its point size, the line weight builds upward from the baseline. If I do the same thing to the rule below... Notice that the rule builds downwards, away from the baseline. I'll quickly reset these both back to one-point rules, and I'll set that rule above to be truly above the paragraph. To do that, I have to change its offset value here. Notice that as I increase the offset value, the rule travels up above the paragraph. Now, for the rule below, when I increase its offset value, the rule travels downward again. This is an important behavior to remember. A positive offset in a rule above moves the rule up, and a positive offset in a rule below moves the rule down. Notice also that I didn't have to offset the rule below by as much as I did the rule above. That's because the rule above has to be offset from the baseline up through the height of all the text in the first line and then above it. The rule below kind of has a head start. It only has to go through the descenders. Therefore, it's very rare that your rule above and rule below offsets will ever be the same. You'll have to eyeball it based on the typeface, whether or not it has lowercase letters with descenders, and the specific look you're trying to achieve. But these offset values don't only go one way. You can also apply negative values. For rules above, A negative offset will bring the rule down into the text, and for rules below, a negative offset moves it up into the text. Those are important differences, as we'll see later on, and not knowing how these offset values behave can sometimes make fine-tuning your paragraph rules a confusing process. Something you might not know about InDesign's paragraph rules is that they can have their own indentation settings, separate from any indents applied to the paragraph itself. Not only that, these indentation settings allow rules to extend beyond the edges of the frame itself. That's accomplished by applying a negative value to either the left indent or the right indent. This works the same for both the rule above and the rule below. If you want to tuck your rule in and make it less than the width of either the text or the column, you can apply a positive left or right indent value to shorten it. This can be a nice effect on centered text when you just want a smaller border element above and below the text. And if you make clever use of things like the thickness of the rule, the type of rule, its color, its gap color, which is the color that fills in the gap in any dashed, dotted, or striped stroke, you can get pretty creative with paragraph rules. The possibilities for cool rules are even greater when you're dealing with only one line of text. When a rule above and rule below are applied to a paragraph that's one line, they can be set to overlap one another and even occupy the same space. To really take advantage of this, you need to know something about how InDesign stacks its rules. Paragraph rules are always drawn behind the text itself. There's no way to change that. Rules above are drawn all the way at the back, and rules below are drawn, if you can believe it, above them. In this example, there's a thick blue rule above with a positive offset, pushing it away from the text, and the rule below is this yellow rule that has a negative offset, pushing it into the text. Watch what happens when I start to negatively offset the blue rule above. Notice that as it gets to the yellow rule, it passes behind it. Why does a rule above appear below a rule below? Well, it follows InDesign's standard drawing order logic. Both rules appear below the text, but since a rule above technically comes first in the paragraph and a rule below comes last, the rule below draws on top of the rule above. Let's take a look at some more examples. In these first two examples, a single rule above is used to create an area of color behind a line of text. This is a technique I use a lot for section headings, category breaks, and things like that. What's really convenient about using paragraph rules this way is that the rules automatically adjust to changes in either the text itself or if the width of the column changes, depending on whether the rule is set to width of text or width of column. The top example has a 16-point rule above that's negatively offset to make it drop below the baseline. Together with the negative 4 point left and right indents, the rule simulates the appearance of a colored box behind the text, with equal spacing on all sides. The paragraph itself, which is just this one line, has a 4 point left indent and a 4 point right indent. That pushes the text in from the column edge, while the negative indents applied to the rule extend it beyond the width of the text. As for these rounded rules, here's where rules above and below work together to create a unique look that's otherwise unavailable in InDesign. I'll work on a copy of this text to show you how the rule was built from scratch. First, I'll add a rule above that is 16 points, solid, and orange. I'll set it to the width of the text and offset it just enough to float it evenly around the text. Next, I'll add a rule below that's also 16 points, also orange, also the width of the text, and offset it minus 12 and a half points, so that it falls in exactly the same position as the rule above. But instead of a solid rule, I'll make this a dotted rule. Nothing changes on screen because they're both the same color and in the same position. Just so you could see what's going on, I'll change the color of the rule below and here you can see the dotted rule appearing above the solid one. I'll switch it back to orange, which is what I need. In order to see the rounded ends of the dotted rule, I need to change its left and right indent values so that I see exactly half of both of the starting dot and the ending dot. Since this is a 16-point rule, each dot is 16 points all the way around. So to reveal only half of it, I set the left indent to minus 8 points and the right indent to minus 8 points, and there's my rounded rule effect. Now that rounded end on the left is poking outside my frame. If I don't want that, I need to apply an indent to the line itself of, you guessed it, 8 points. That moves the text in, and since the indent values of the rules are relative to the text, not the column, both rules move right along with it. If I make changes to the text, the rule effect adjusts perfectly. If I want the rule to extend the width of the column, I have to make some adjustments. First, I'll pick up this formatting with the eyedropper tool. Then open up the Paragraph Rules dialog and set the rule above to Width of Column. And then do the same for the rule below. Notice that my rounded ends push back outside the column again. That's because it's the column that's determining their width now, not the text like in the previous example. So I have to increase the rule above's indents to 8 points, left and right, and remove the negative indents from the rounded rule below. Now I've got a rounded rule set so that it adjusts in size as the width of the column changes. The next two examples on the page are pretty much the same thing, but with only one rounded end. You don't have to do it on both sides if that's not what you're looking for. If you've ever needed a line of text boxed off and don't want to use either a single cell table or an anchored object, you can achieve the look of a border all the way around your text using a variation on this technique. In this example, A 20 point red rule above falls behind an 18 point white rule below, and the offset values and indents are set so that only one point's worth of that red rule above is visible at the top, bottom, left, and right. The box effect is preserved whether I keep this text aligned to the left, center it, align it to the right, or modify it. And in the one that's the width of the column, the box effect stretches with the frame. This is a distinct advantage over anchored objects or single cell tables, which do not automatically adjust. You can take this one step further by adding underlines to the mix, as in this last example. Underline options are a lot like paragraph rules, but not exactly the same. The good thing about them is that they can be as thick as you want them to be use any of InDesign's standard stroke types, and be offset into or away from your text the way paragraph rules can. Underlines also draw beneath the text, but they draw on top of paragraph rules. With this centered text selected, I'll go to the character panel and choose underline options from the panel menu. I'll set the underline to be 16 points, make it yellow, and give it a negative offset of four points to move it up behind the text. Unfortunately, I can't set left and right indents for an underline, so I have to cheat the padding on either side by inserting an end space before the first character and after the last one. Depending on the look you want, you could use any of InDesign's nine different whitespace widths. Next, I'll add paragraph rules. For my rule above, I'll add an 18 point solid black stroke at the width of the text and give it a negative five point offset to vertically center it behind the underline. I'll change the left indent to minus one and the right indent to minus six to create the appearance of a consistent border around the underline. These settings will vary depending on your type size and what kind of white space you use. For added effect, I'll also create a rule below, which draws between the rule above and the underline. I'll make this rule 4 points, set its width to column, and offset it minus 6 points so that it's centered vertically with the text. Just to show an additional option, I'll choose the thick, thick rule type, keep the color of the rule black, but set its gap color to yellow. That fills in the space between the stripes in this kind of rule, and in this case, it creates the appearance of that yellow gap color as an open channel into the yellow underline behind the text. There's one thing you have to remember with any rule trick like this. It all falls apart when your text runs more than one line. The rule above and rule below will attach themselves to the first and last lines respectively, so these tricks will no longer work. However. Used creatively, you can get some interesting single line effects with multiple rules that don't necessarily have to have text appear over them. These are just a few examples here, and if you'd like to play around with some of these settings on your own, I'm posting this InDesign document and the one I was just working in online for whoever wants to take a look at all the settings. Links to each file will be in the blog post for this episode at www.theindesigner.com. Each will be an InDesign interchange format, or .inx file, so you can open them in both CS2 and CS3. That's it for this episode, I'll be back in a few weeks with the next episode, which will be number 50. I'm not sure what it will be, but with a landmark number like that, it should be something special. A quick reminder, I'm continuing to teach my two-day course, Adobe InDesign CS3 Masterclass for Designers, for EEI Communications throughout this year. The next class will be June 5th and 6th in Alexandria, Virginia, and the schedule of remaining classes is on the blog on the Classes and Seminars page. In the meantime, please feel free to post your questions or comments on this or any other episode on the blog at www.theindesigner.com. Send me your questions via email to info at or look for me on AIM or iChat as The InDesigner. This is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner video podcast. Thanks for watching.